Hello, I'm Dr. Margaret Rogers Van Koops, and I've been doing Journey into an Unknown World for over seven years. And so this is my time to kind of let you know that the world is evolving, I'm evolving, and there are different things I do, like services and so on. So what I'd like to talk to you about today is hypnosis. A lot of you may have seen my other shows earlier on it, but here I want to say that we have many young children who are being born who are very psychic and very aware of energies. They see colors, they see vibrational sounds. Sometimes they even see people in the room that you can't see. And it's quite amazing to a lot of people to understand that children are actually frightened by hearing something strange in the room. And of course, parents tend to say to the children, oh, darling, it's just imagination and it'll go away. And they're looking at it like, well, it's still there. And their mother sweeps them up in the arms and takes them in another room and the child has forgotten that moment. But what people don't realize is that those sort of really weird, strange moments in a two-year-old's mind stay with us. And over time, throughout the years, these strange paranormal little bits and pieces happen. And as an adult, we tend to say, well, that's a coincidence. I was just thinking about you before you called me on the telephone. Or, oh, I was thinking about you last week and I wondered what was up when they start telling you that they were ill and had to be rushed off to hospital for an emergency that turned out not to be so bad after all, thank goodness. And at that time... As a parent, you're going to be saying, well, I'm, I must have some sort of intuition. I must be a bit psychic in some way, but I'm scared of it. And I don't want to talk about it. I don't want people to know that I'm a weirdo, that I have these odd voices in my head, or, you know, I have these visions, I see this stuff, or I have these dreams that are strange and unusual and they scare me. The thing about dreams, by the way, is they're very symbolic. For example, if you dream you're crashing in an aeroplane, you're actually saying you're ending one period of your life and you're beginning a new one. It is not a symbol of death. So what I want to do here with you is help you to understand that as a two-year-old child, our brain is completely open. There is no conscious mind, subconscious mind, or deep subconscious in the sense that the child knows that. All the child is doing is using their psyche that comes from their spirit to watch, listen, look, taste, touch, and smell. And with everything that they do with these primary senses, what they're actually doing is programming their mind to understand that I can feel when I touch something, I can focus with my eyes when I see something, I can hear somebody talking even I don't know the words, I can look 
at faces and get a general idea of their angry or their sad. And I can, in some way, understand I've made mummy upset or I've made mummy happy. So a child is learning in the early years to understand the difference between what is good and what is bad. Now, of course, as the child begins to get a few words like mum, 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 dad, 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 and so on, everyone praises them for speaking. And yet when they get older and squeal with delight, they're told, be quiet, you're deafening me. So there are things that we have to learn about behavior. And in those years under five years old, we are learning a lot of beliefs about how to behave, how to talk, how to pay attention to someone when they're talking to us, how to listen and take it all in and not be distracted with fiddling with something else which children love to do. I could go on with a great deal of lists, but the ultimate thing is I want you to understand that when you're under five years old, you are learning a lot of things that you take into your mind as real and absolute, meaning you must always believe those things. You must always do those things that you've been trained to do. And you must always investigate and understand in case you look a fool or an idiot making a mistake. Now, these are just a few of the examples that could be running in your mind. I want you to understand that those first five years, you are in a state of hypnosis, a waking state of deep hypnosis. Yes, think about that, a waking state of deep hypnosis. Everything that a young child is doing under the age of two is direct information from their spirit mind that lives in the deep subconscious, which is at the back of the brain, where memory is working to recall absolutely every itty-bitty little thing the child is doing. And that becomes the foundation stone upon which a child will build themselves up to believe who they are and to go out into the world to do the things they have to do. Now, once we get past the basic four- to five-year-old age, we have begun to learn that we're supposed to have an opinion. Now, a child may tell you, my favorite ice cream is strawberry. Shall we say, well, they're three years old? And that's because mummy says, last time you had strawberry, you loved it. Shall we get it again? And the child says, oh, yes. But you may now be 35 and suddenly find out that you really don't like strawberries. They they give some sort of allergy to you and you really don't enjoy them. And every time you have strawberry ice cream, hey, you're in the bathroom. What happened? The bottom line is that all the things that your parents have given you and taught you to like or not like is very much sort of forced upon you. I remember feeding my babies peas, you know, baby food peas, all squashed up, thinking, oh, this is good for them. They're going to get vitamins and minerals. And every time I put the peas into the mouth of my young child, that young child would spit it out. And, of course, I persevered, 
scraped it up as they were spitting it out, letting it run out of their mouth. You know the story if you've been a mom. Shove it back in again, and it comes out again. And then they start banging the table and flaying their arms around, which is a way of saying, I don't like peas. Well, yes, that boy grew up, and whenever I gave peas at the dinner table, he would always say aloud, I hate peas. Now, obviously, he's a lot older today, and he does, in fact, eat peas. But, you see, he's had time to delete I hate peas and grow into well, they're not so bad after all. I can eat them with my Sunday lunch. Now, peas turn up in a lot of food too, like Chinese food and Indian food and things like this. So over the years, that particular son got to like those types of foods. So that also integrated the idea, hey, I can eat peas. My point here of this little story is to say that many of the things that you've learned as an infant to not like have stayed with you growing up into adulthood where you have rationalized and justified and explained to yourself over and over again why you don't like the things you didn't like as a child. As a result of that, as an adult, you will go on to ignore the pleasures of discovering that you can like things for yourself. And the only way you're going to do it is to actually eat, in this case, peas, maybe doctored a bit with different vegetables and things that mother would have cooked normally years ago. Because, yes, diets have changed, and we've all learned to eat different types of foods. We no longer just have peas and potatoes and a piece of meat. No, we can have Chinese, we can have Japanese, we can have Mexican, we can have Italian, we can have Indian and over the years, you've learned to either like those as an adult or dislike them. And those are your genuine choices. But if you've decided that you don't like a particular food because you didn't like it as a child, then you're blocking yourself from discovering new flavors. And new flavors give you new ideas. Now, I've just talked about food. But think about this. What if you're overweight or too skinny? Maybe you've held on to the memory of a child of eating all the nice foods you loved back then, which are actually harmful to you today because they're making you too fat. Or maybe as a child you love to eat lots of food and somebody says, oh, you're a pig, you're eating too much. And you took that in as a four-year-old and thought, I don't want to be a pig. I don't want to be fat. Oh, look, there's a fat child. I'm too fat. I'm like them. I'll make myself skinny. And you became anorexic, saying you're not hungry. Well, this is just one example that I talked about a long time ago on my radio show. In fact, my first show was all about obesity. I use that word because that's what it is. And we need to realize that we don't need to have that gene overacting. In other words, we don't need it to be saying, well, my family's overweight, so it's okay if I am. And today we do see a lot of families who are overweight with kids running around who should be nice and slim with maybe a 14-inch waist and instead they've got a 30-inch waist. 
Doesn't that worry you? I know it would worry me. So what else do we do? We go to school, we learn ABC, one, two, three, or whatever language we're in, and maybe the teacher says something like, you'll never be a writer with the scribbling you do. I actually had my teacher tell me that. And I grew up with a lot of information, being a medium and a teacher and so on, and people by the time I was 40 were saying, Margaret, you must write a book. You know so much. And what did I say? Oh, I'm not a writer, because my teacher told me I wasn't good at spelling and writing. Well, the truth was, in those days, when I was young, I was dyslexic. And, even furthermore, was nobody knew the word dyslexic when I was that young. But once I found out about it by having a dyslexic son, I suddenly realized what it was and saw it in myself. And in teaching my son to be able to read and write, I taught myself a lot more. And yes, I went on to write my first book. A lot of things happened during that time when I was dumping my history, including manifesting Parkinson's disease, which I'm very happy to say I was able to stop the shakes within three weeks because I had Master Chang, my spirit guide, teaching me about crystal acupuncture, which today is a very recognized therapy. So here I am yet again saying that you need to think about all the beliefs you made as a child that your mom, your grandma, your teacher, your priest, your uncle, the guy down the street, the woman up the street, whatever it is, all those people told you stuff. And you need to spend time asking yourself, is that stuff relative to my life today? Am I truly still disliking a certain food? Or have I learned to like it? And if I have, have I dumped all the insecurities, fears, anxieties, worries that I had around that food? Now that might sound daft, mightn't it? You might think I've stopped eating peas, so I'm fine. But the thing is, every time you hear the word peas, every time you see peas in a pot in a restaurant, you're going to run those insecurities of being forced to eat something you didn't like so long ago. And of course, as an adult, you've adapted the word force to I'm forced to work, I'm forced to be an artist, I'm forcing myself to do something, my other half is forcing me to be what she wants me to be. Well, there could be 101 associations with the word force. Now, if we think about the dictionary and just how many letters there are in the alphabet, there are billions of words that we have to learn. And we have children who do spelling bees. And hey, they do very well. In fact, I've listened to them spelling words I've never even heard of. Not because I was made to study the dictionary, but simply because I was never taught them while I was learning to speak. I remember one word that I learned when I was 20. I'd never heard it before. It was on a commercial. That word was ubiquitous. 
I asked people, what's that mean? They looked at me, I don't know, what do you think it means? So we went for the dictionary, and what it meant was everywhere. Now, everywhere is a word that we use all the time. And so if I say there are flies everywhere, everyone's going to say, yeah, I saw them here, there, they're in my house, they're all over the place, they're a nuisance. But if I said the flies are ubiquitous this year, they would look at me and say, what? <laughs> my point here is the brain needs to learn new words so that you can express yourself differently. So if you say, I hate this all the time, I suggest you move the word to something more like, I dislike this, or I'm unhappy with this. If you change the sentence, then you're changing the way you think, and that goes from your conscious mind into your subconscious. Now, what happens when you go from your conscious mind into your subconscious? You don't see a load of words in your subconscious. You see images. So, for example, if I say to you right now, do not think of an elephant. Yep, you had an immediate picture of some part of an elephant. Why? Because your brain has to figure out what the word elephant means. And where did you hear it before? And do you have an emotional or mental association with an elephant? Or maybe you were taken to the zoo, and maybe you actually had a ride on an elephant, in which case you'll have those memories too. But if you've never seen one, and you've only seen a picture in, you know, in a picture book, then at least you know what an elephant is. But if I said to you, have you ever seen a wombat, bearing in mind you don't live in Australia, you would say, I don't know what it is. And you would make an association. Well, bat is a flying animal, so it must be an animal. Um, it must be like a bird. And you start imagining and creating ideas about what it is. Well, a wombat, for those who don't know, you can look it up online, but it's like the size of a cat, hasn't got a tail like a rat, but it does have a featured face like a rat. And it's a marsupial. And they get run over in the roads a lot in Australia. So now you have a picture. You can build it in your mind. And if you go online and look for one, you'll see what it really, really looks like. So what am I saying here? We all need to keep learning. We need pictures. We need to look at pictures, not just scrape through them like we do on our iPhones, but rather to study something. So, for example, if your friend sends you a picture of them in a new dress of some kind, are you really, really looking at their face? Or are you looking at their dress and how it looks on them? What are you really looking at? And what does your remark really mean? I know I'm guilty of sometimes going, that's nice, and I haven't even really studied the picture. Why? Because I'm busy. Because I have 901 things to do. And I'm sure you're the same. So slowing down the way we think is important to give us time to consider what we are seeing, what we are hearing, what we are feeling, and asking ourselves, why am I anxious about these words or this vision 
or this feeling? Does it come from my young, under five-year-old self? And if it does, I can change that. I can change the way I think by speaking differently. I can talk about it to talk it into the ground so that I know it doesn't bother me anymore, meaning discuss it with friends. Or I could have a hypnosis session. There are many people over the years who come to me for hypnosis because they say, I can't get back to my five-year-old child. I can't remember anything that happened to me when I was five. And here I want to say, if you need my help, you can contact me. I have a new email address just for my patients and my students. It's P-R-O-F, short for Professor. P-R-O-F, Margaret, M-A-R-G-A-R-E-T, R-V-C, for Rogers Van Coops, at gmail.com. I do have my old one, Dr. Margaret, R-V-C, at gmail.com, too. So I'll get your message either way. But if you'd like to work with me with having all the negative aspects of your childhood as it were, put to bed at the back of your mind so it doesn't bother you anymore, so you're no longer anxious, worried, or scared, then I can make you your personal hypnosis recording that you can then listen to for every night for 21 times. So why would I say 21 times? Well, when you were a child, you learned to count from 1 to 20 and thought about 10 hands and 10 toes, you know, fingers and toes, rather. And, uh, you know, in that way, hey, I know 20. And then when someone said, now 21, 22, 23, 31, 32, 33, you started to get that pretty quickly, and it wasn't long before you could count to 100. And now if I say to you, count to 1,000, you could do that. And even 5,000 if you wanted to be patient with yourself and just wait and wait and be quiet. Yep, when I was a child, we used to do that. We used to play games and we'd have to count to 1,000 before we could go hunt the thimble or find somebody hiding. Those things have gone. People don't seem to do those games today because they're too busy looking at video um, pictures. I hope you're looking at your pictures, taking in the details, thinking about them. Why did someone send them to me? What did I get out of this? Has it taught me a lesson of something? Has it taken me back to a memory? Is this memory something that I need to delete, dump, because I've got emotional negatives attached to it? Or is it just something fun, which I can dismiss in a second? All these choices are there to you. Now, if you have MS, for example, multiple sclerosis, you have what we call the body syndrome throughout your body. And if you go to my YouTube and type in search Dr. Margaret Speaks, you'll find a one-hour talk on the body syndromes. And you'll also find a one-hour talk 
on the soul structure coding that allows you in the first place as a spirit entity to come into your body, live in your mother, copycat her DNA, get born, develop her DNA through your watching and copying her, and then eventually absorb RNA from the people, siblings, family members, and so on. So those are two things that you could do to help yourself listening to this show. But what you could do is write to me with all your issues. For example, you can't sleep at night because you lie there worrying. I can make your recording that is personal to you, a hypnosis recording that will help you to fall asleep. If you have restless leg syndrome, I can do the same for you for that. Whatever you have wrong with your body, the mind is making it go wrong. And if we use hypnosis to take you from your conscious mind into your subconscious where all your pictures are, and then from there take you into your deep subconscious where all your core memories are stored, then we can give you guidance as well as hypnosis to transform all those memories into a more stable approach. That's not to erase them, that's not to take it away, but to rearrange them in such a way that you can live with those memories without them causing you to feel unsettled, nervous, insecure, and unstable. Now, if you happen to be a cigarette smoker or you like your beer and so on, you want to quit, we can do that too. We might need to make several for you though because most people who have behavioral um, addictions of various kinds often have a lot of deep issues from their childhood going up through marriages, rearing children, divorces and so on. So that might take a lot longer, unless you've been doing your homework already on yourself and you're ready, ready to quit. Then we can make a hypnosis for you to quit smoking, drinking, and anything else that you're doing like street drugs. Hypnosis, self-esteem, self-worth, self-value. If people say to you, hey, you've got a lovely singing voice, and you're saying, oh, no, I really just sing in the bath. Well, you need confidence. So we can make hypnosis recordings for you that will make you feel happy about your talents and skills. And whichever one you want to use, we can focus on just that. Or we can do a generalized one that can allow you to improve every part of your talents and skills. Now, what if you want to play golf and you feel useless? We can improve that for you by giving you suggestions in hypnosis that when you swing that uh, golf club, you're swinging it in such a way that is perfect. Yes, hypnosis is something that works. After all, football people, you know, they get hyped up before they go out to play. And when they play, yeah, yeah, high, high, they're all high. That's hypnosis too. 
when you drive your car down the road and you're thinking about you have to do the washing and pick up the kids, you're not looking at the car ahead. You're seeing images in your mind. And then suddenly the car ahead breaks and you break because it's automatic. Because, you see, when you're in a hypnoidal state, everything is automatic. And so if you want to change your point of view, it's automatic. If you want to increase your abilities, your education, it's automatic. If you want to stop drinking and gambling, it's automatic. I could go on. So having said all that, I would also like to say to you that um, I'm going to be putting out a book soon on the soul structure coding, the DNA and the RNA, so watch out for it. And uh, I'm not telling too much yet. It's a secret. But um, I will have it up on my page when the time is right. And I will have it marketed for me so you'll all know about it. But in the meantime, please go to www.sumariscenter. That's S for sugar, U, M for mother, A R I S C E N. T-E-R dot com D-O-C-O-M or you can go to look at my books of course they're on Amazon but you can also see them at easytimepublishing.com where you can order them directly from my uh, publisher which saves you a little bit of money I believe and uh you know, read up about more about what the books are about. I'm not good at PRing my books, but I have 14 of them, and some of them are in Japanese, uh, Russian, and German. So I want to say to you, thank you for listening, and I hope you will follow me by going to the webpage so that uh, you can follow me here, journey into an unknown world to learn a lot more. And if you really want to follow me, go to iTunes and download all my podcasts. So until then, be well, be happy. Bye-bye.